Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Depth of Field podcast, where film, video, and animation professionals discuss the art of their craft and realities of the industry. Today on the show, we have Michael Jones, the founder of MoGraph Mentor, an online school for motion graphics, and we're going to talk about the future of film school and creative education in general. You're not going to want to miss it, so take a seat at your desk and let's take some notes. All right, guys, I'm here with Michael Jones, the founder of MoGraph Mentor. Very excited to have him here. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Adrian. Pleasure to speak with you, my friend. So for somebody that's not familiar with MoGraph Mentors, we have a lot of different types of listeners, people in the film industry or corporate video. Can you just explain what you're offering and what you're doing with your school? Yeah, MoGraph Mentor is an online school that focuses on motion graphics. So we try to teach people design, teach people animation, teach people filmmaking and process. And then we try to connect them with jobs at agencies, studios, and we call that our job placement program. Our program is nine months long. It contains a live class that runs two to three hours in a small group setting. And if you do the entire program, it would take you nine months and cost you $6,000. So hmm. we're trying to offer people a very immersive online experience, not just watching videos, but actually having live conversations, getting critique, really kind of treating it like art school insofar as we can in that format. And then creating that mid-level price point of around $6,000, which is probably about halfway to the average price of a year of uh, a more traditional art school, which is usually 12 to 15. But of course, we've got expensive ones that go far higher. So there's a lot of stuff that's really, really, really cheap and affordable. And then a lot of stuff that's really expensive, but not a lot of mid price point stuff in the sort of art school offerings that, that students have to choose from. So that's uh, kind of where we are. Cool. And your background is in design, and illustration, and motion graphics as well. I'd love to hear about the you know process that came to you deciding to start this. Like, what? How did you see the need, and what made you really think this was going to be successful? So I had attended some other online classes. I should definitely say that what we were doing in the format wasn't terribly novel. There were already a couple other groups and in other industries doing these types of small group online critique, just basically having art school, but doing it through web conferencing and maybe a Slack channel and things like that. But we didn't have it for our niche specifically in motion design, which were kind of a quirky little, we're a mix of designers and animators and filmmakers, and we do a little bit of everything. Um, so there was nothing, and <clears throat> I would have these conversations with my wife about you know, someone will eventually do this in our niche and someone really, really qualified and great will come along and they'll be the ones to do it. And long story short, after a few years, we said, you know, no one's really putting this together. Why don't we be the ones to try to organize it, put together some marketing and just kind of go for it and have fun with it. And so uh, that was generally the thought process. And so now we're in year five and definitely glad to have been a part of uh, building this. And you had you kind of had a passion for education before this, right? Or is this something you had to, kind of had to grow into and learn to love? <laughs> well, I was briefly an education major, thinking that I wanted to teach maybe like eighth grade history or something. Okay. Uh, my mother was an educator. She had taught kindergarten, uh, you know, been involved in early childhood for probably 25 years. And so it always kind of been around her classrooms and 
Uh, my father, towards the end of his life, was actually a pastor, and those, it's kind of almost like an educational role as well, where you're working with individuals, and so it's been, a, you know, that was sort of the other part of my life, spending time around that, so I guess we kind of fall into the things of how our personalities get crafted by, you know, who we see as examples and stuff like that, so I guess I'm a little bit suited, definitely, towards uh, working with people and education. Right. Well, since you've been teaching people, how, well, how long has a MoGraph mentor been going? So five years. Five years. Okay. So you've been involved with teaching people for five years. And I'd love to talk about just some of the common things you're noticing about your students, if there's any specific mm -hmm. trends. Um, like if you were going to talk to a student that maybe is, you know, struggling with certain things and you were just trying to encourage them, like, hey, actually, a lot of students are coming at it with these, uh, with these challenges as well. Like what are some common things that you notice? It's a good question. I think one thing that's definitely become clear to me is that people are generally smart enough to understand almost any concept you throw at them. The difference in performance comes based more on conscientiousness and passion and discipline and who does the work consistently the mm. most. Mm. Who who's going to get busy on those off days and not spend four hours a night doing illustration and who is and that conscientiousness because people are all so interesting and we have such diversity in the program people from, you know, 70 different countries speaking different languages, even at times and intelligent, bright, uh, you know, interested people in, in these materials that, that we're talking about design and animation. But then it's so hard to put the concepts into practice. It takes so long, so many hours in front of the computer, struggling, wrestling with Photoshop, wrestling with Illustrator, that given enough time, who emerges is like, wow, look at their portfolio, holy crap, I wanna work with them and be a collaborator now, versus people who keep kind of stumbling along, not really producing stuff that's gonna give them breakthroughs and really give them a great career in the industry oftentimes seems to be that conscientiousness of who's putting in the time and who's really committed to it. Mm. That's one I wouldn't expect, but it makes a lot of sense. You can tell somebody how to draw, tell you're blue in the face, but if they don't put in the hours, they're just not going to get better. Yeah, that seems to be true, I think. Yeah. And are most of your students coming from previous experience or are, are you getting the impression that these are people Usually, that Usually, yeah. Yeah, so they've We've been got to some, school. Yeah, no, well, we've got some beginners. Most people have tinkered and even done some projects and watched lots of tutorials. That's probably the biggest part of the cohort is people who already have a bit of technical knowledge, but now they realize they're missing a foundation and maybe basic art principles or basic design or kind of basic filmmaking process. And so they understand software, but they really don't know what to make or why people make things in certain ways. And I think if you want to really be a, like a high-end creative professional, you have to have some of that creative director, art director language coming out of your mouth to like mm -hmm. work at these really great places with these great brands and understand what these brands are after, what you know these different organizations are after through their communications. Art school gives you so much of that. Art school teaches a lot of these people how to talk about work, how to talk about process, how to speak with clients. And so I think there's a lot of people who have some technical skills and then want to spend time with our mentors and having that art school experience that gives them just some more polish and some more depth and some more substance to their skills yeah. that then become very attractive to employers. Right. Um, so you're teaching these people all these different skills and I'd love to hear, you know, what's something you've learned along this journey? 
from teaching all these people? What, well, I've, I've learned a lot uh, working with people. It, cer- it certainly teaches you. Um, something I've learned about myself is that I also need to keep making stuff and becoming a better artist and growing. As the program got pretty big, most of my time became devoted to administrative tasks and marketing and thinking about growing the business and working with students and doing customer service, which is just like a 24-7 engine once we got this thing going of like, you know, 50 emails a day sometimes of people that we need to interact with. And so I felt, you know, there was like a two-year period where I was like not really making that much. I was still doing some client work, but it was all well underneath my skill set. None of it was really stretching me mm-hmm. to become a better artist in any way. And it definitely got a little depressing where I felt like now more this year, I'm trying to take more time to draw again and like learn more and do more painting in Photoshop and do more interesting animations that stretch me and not just uh, falling back on some of the things I know. So, you know, and maybe you know this too, just like owning your own business and like thinking about products, but also still wanting to have that time where you can just zone out and draw for six hours. It was like, I've realized that I need that or... Yeah. I'm going to start to hate it. And I'm just going to start to like, yeah, I don't just want to be doing emailing all day, every day for the rest of my life. So right. it's like I've got to fit some other, some other moments for myself. In yeah. There. There's a really good lesson in there. I've heard, you know, smart business people talk about being humble to the point, understanding they still need to learn. You can't take the mindset oh, of yeah. I've made it. I know. And now I just teach people and then they stop learning. And then, you know, five, 10 years are irrelevant because they stopped learning. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, a really, that's a good lesson. Yeah. Um, okay. This is the exciting part of the conversation I, I was looking forward to was talking about, you know, film school, art school as an industry, because mm. uh, mm-hmm. there's clearly a change going on with businesses like yours popping up, but there's still, you know, these, these film schools and art schools are still in business. They're obviously, uh, people are going there. And I think it's a conversation that should be had more because I think there's a, the people that go there don't really know why they're going there. There's still this, um, mindset of college is the natural next step to go and the creative services has kind of been lumped into that for a lot of people so i'd love to talk about yeah you know what you think the future looks like even in the next 15 years for these for these creative art schools well i think you touching on people making the choice to go if they think it's just a natural progression the term i like to use is agency did that did that 18 year old really compel themselves to make that choice or was it everything around them maybe a friend or maybe the guidance counselor maybe mom and dad just saying like yes you go to a four-year university and for that older generation when the economics were a bit different and the things that you were learning were a bit different most of the things offered in higher education you know in our parents generation were probably a straighter line into the economy whereas now the liberal arts is really kind of blossom where there's all sorts of different offerings of, you know, even very minute things that don't then have a super straight line. So I know we have a lot of kids that are just kind of going into it. So I think that's a really important point. Um, And especially in art school, because if you're going to go to a really expensive private four-year art school, you really had better belong there in the sense that you're really going to make a career in the creative arts. You really intend to make you know, maybe $130,000 a year after six mm-hmm. or seven years of experience, not at first, yep. but you, you see that gradient of like, I'm going to make 60 grand when I come out of here doing something junior level or even 45 grand maybe. 
But after five or six years, I'm going to have that creative director, art director, like I'm going to be a real substantive player in this and I'm going to make a lot of money. Well then, okay, amazing decision. Like go to art center, spend all the money because you're going to make then millions of dollars, hopefully over the course of 30 years of being really productive and prolific and, and loving your career. And that's great for those people. And I'd say probably 20% of people are probably in that group. They're high achievers. They're really serious. They're going to put in the time. You know, they're going to become a character animator and go to Disney and make lots of money and pay it off by the time they're 35. And it's like, okay, then the model isn't that terrible. But for other students, right, if they just showed up and thought, maybe this is a good idea, maybe I'm interested. Well, there can't really be a maybe if the price was 40,000, like net. I think art centers like 39,000 net for one mm. year. Yeah. Then you really shouldn't, you shouldn't be testing it out if you're going to spend that amount of money. You should be doing MoGraph Mentor or School of Motion or watching tutorials or doing your own projects because the only people I would ever think are making a sound decision is going to be those top 15, 20% players. They're going to have great jobs, go to great agencies and make, make amazing work because there's certainly no denying that what places like Art Center offer is amazingly transformative to go and be amongst these brilliant artists and designers with decades of experience. It really is a massive shortcut for the kids who are really going to take it seriously and embrace it. But, you know, I've heard Joey Corman of School of Motion even speak about like at Ringling, the number of students who would show up and like not do the assignments and just kind of putter around and maybe they were just having some beers on the weekend and they're not really serious. But there's a $35,000 debt with interest that's now tied to these people. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to your point of agency of like, did you decide to even be here? What the hell are you doing here? This is yeah. costing you. This is going to cost you for decades. Uh, you're making a huge mistake. So I think when I think about current higher education, I'm thinking about the different groups of people that it really is right for. And then other people that are maybe on that fence. And then maybe, you know, we know that 30% of students don't even make it to sophomore year. So right off the bat, if we have 2.1 million kids in every uh, American high school cohort yearly, that's like 700,000 kids who go to university and after one year they leave and they don't go back. Mm -hmm. And so for those kids, we need a whole host of alternatives and online education is obviously going to be a huge part of that, but I'd love to see the big schools offer like a softer gradient to some of these kids of like, you know, if I'm ringling, I would think, okay, if I have 30% of kids flaking out on this thing, maybe I need to be offering some real intermediate steps to help weed out people or like let them get a sense of it either by offering an online class or maybe running a summer program that's three months that costs you a few thousand dollars, like to protect these kids from themselves almost. Mm -hmm. I'd actually like to see more of that. Um, but again, it comes down to incentives. What is their incentive to protect these people from themselves versus just saying like, Hey, you decided to be here, you borrowed it. So come on right. in. Um, so I think it's a danger to many students that they, they should choose very wisely, but it's, it's, it's certainly not a 100% no for me that you shouldn't go to art school. But I think for most people, we're going to need all kinds of alternatives. So I'm excited about MoGraph mentor and all the other offerings that will help people, uh, just make better decisions when it comes to trying to learn and trying to create a career for themselves. Right. Yeah. The financial issue, it seems that there's too much of a disconnect when you take a loan, you just don't take the money for what it is. It's, it's, it's too casual. Yeah. That's a big psychological problem too, right? The third, yeah. the third party payer problem of yeah. when someone else is footing the bill, 
we fundamentally behave differently. And I think that's pretty well documented, even like psychologically uh, about us. So yeah, I think that's, that's a big part of it. I think we should talk about, you, you mentioned uh, the teachers being a valuable part of these schools. And I, I was thinking, as you said that, that honestly, you're, the people you have teaching, there could be a point made that they're more attractive to learn from because you're getting people that are in the prime of their work life and they're taking time away to teach current trends, current you know things that are happening uh, in the industry. Whereas people at colleges seem to be people that kind of, they had their career and now they're deciding to teach. And in my mind, you can make the point that they're kind of like, they're, they're done. Their career is kind of done over and now they're going to teach people and the people that you're you're having teach now might do that in the future, but there's a point to be made that you you could be considered more relevant. Yeah, I think you would be happy to learn, as I have, that a lot of these schools are trying to keep their teaching costs low by using adjunct faculty, meaning people who do work full time and then come in just to teach the class. Uh, so at a place okay. like Art Center, you know, one of your teachers is Chris Doe. He teaches their adjunct. So it's like you're getting studio owners and like very legit people that are on the okay. cutting edge actually coming in. Now I can't, that's not every school. And I think to your point, there are many, many more institutions that did have someone who had a very short career and then came in and is now just faculty. And that I agree is a problem. And, and I think those programs that do that will find it's a problem over time and be penalized by people drifting, like you're saying, towards the working professionals who they already say like, well, I want my work to be like that. So I'm going to trend in that direction. And that's what's so exciting about now any great artist being able to create an educational offering like Ash Thorpe with Learn Squared, how he's bringing uh, various really, really, you know, high end working artists, bringing their workflows and information right to students. So yeah, I think your point is, is definitely true. Cool. Um, another benefit to going to college would seem interacting with uh, with peers and making connections for your professional life. But it, do you notice that happening in your online classes? People are being introduced and they stay in touch digitally. We're all so used to that anyway. Does that seem to be going on? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that is a huge part of the offering of a university. And that's also what I like about what we do with live classes yeah. because and there's almost like a problem with terminology because a lot of people will have an online school that's just video. It's like a video series Well, you don't really get to know your peers who also took the class. You're just in different parts of the world and you happen to have watched the same video and maybe you had a short comment thread, but that's not really the same as spending three hours in a web conference talking about your kids and like where you live and how's it going and like really getting to know people. So the kind of like, yeah, intimacy that builds with all the FaceTime that we spend together in these, in these small groups is um, an amazing part of it. And when we first were putting the program together, we literally asked ourselves to deconstruct the value proposition of an art school, of a place like SCAD. And a huge part of it is the peer-to-peer -peer connection. And that's what convinced us to try to put that at the center of, of the way that we were doing these projects is putting people into small group settings because right? It's like university should teach you knowledge, help you contextualize it in like a larger liberal arts education. It should connect you with your peers and then it should help you advance your career. And so when we started, we said, well, we can do all that. That's, that's not really a question of format. It's like, we can still have those same goals as the art school and go about it, right? Digitally. Well, let's switch to talking about 
the motion graphics industry specifically. I'd love to hear your thoughts on competition, pricing, expectations from studios and technology. And we could just take those one at a time, but just going through kind of the list of things that are clearly being affected and changing on an almost weekly basis. Yeah, there's probably a lot of other people who could speak to this better because I've had my head down right. with the online education for so long and I don't run a studio. I definitely do freelance work. For me, I've not witnessed a huge change. I have like a small network of clients that whose needs right now are very similar to what they were four or five years ago. A lot of web stuff, a little bit of broadcast stuff. Um, you'd have to ask somebody else about the demands on studios. I mean, from my perspective... I feel like more people are freelancing. I, I feel like that I've definitely witnessed of people not really wanting to work at studios as much. Um, How about in terms of uh, your students finding jobs? Or is yeah. there a strong demand because of that trend that you're seeing that studios are trying harder and harder to employ? Talent? Yeah, and it might just be, yeah, my narrow perspective on it, but I see most of our students going on to freelance and a smaller handful choosing to take full-time positions mm -hmm. and a lot of the positions I do see are in LA and then like Silicon Valley at the big tech companies right um, and then just a lot of freelancers and kind of smaller studios as well but um, yeah you would probably need somebody else to speak to like the larger industry trends and kind of the odd fellows guys had a lot of insight at blend talking about I mean if you listen to Christo and you listen to those guys it sounds like they're telling us that demands are about where they were and budgets are potentially shrinking and right. the way that studios are surviving is with very unique evocative visual work it has to be very high-end you see the stuff these people are doing for google and stuff with really complex character animation really really beautiful evocative design i mean it seems that the best thing to do is just be cream of the crop visual artists that's about the only security left because then everyone else is, it seems hyper competitive for maybe more like simple explainer videos that anybody could do. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm noticing that the middle of the spectrum is being squeezed out almost like the middle class, right? Because there's either a client that money almost isn't an issue or there's a client where they want to spend the least that they can. And yeah. there's a lot of competition on the low end yeah. of you know artists in India or Brazil and they're creating these companies like trying to do videos for $500. But these other studios, they, they're not going to play like just a few steps above that. They're going for like, no, we want to go for the people that we can throw 20, 30, 50,000 and our clients don't blink because we're going to do the best possible work. And yeah. that's what I see, like trying to play in the middle ground is going to get harder and harder, whereas you're just going to have to be at the top of the game or you're going to be doing bottom of the game because staying in the middle is going to be very tricky. Yeah. I also see a lot of really promising technologies and web applications that might mm -hmm. drop a bit of a bomb on the bottom end of the explainer kind of market. And that's true. That is obviously speculative, but I think it will be interesting to see of where we are in 10 years. If it's like, it's would almost be unheard of to pay someone for the $5,000 explainer video because there's some $19 a month AI bot that can like, pretty much mimic what we were doing with kind of, you know, That's with, right. the, with the explainers and with just like icons and texts and stuff. Some of it isn't that complicated, it would seem to reverse engineer. So that could be a problem as well. But again, it's like originality 
is this like kind of golden thing that's just that's that's the value now that's the values being different having a point of view having a perspective having artists that no one else has and uh making great great work very true what would you say to somebody who's on the fence if they looked at MoGraph Mentor and they're an aspiring motion graphics artist, what would you ask them to consider um, or like a prerequisite you think they should have mentally before diving in? I would say that MoGraph Mentor is for people that feel pretty certain that they want to do motion design in some flavor as a career. Because again, each class is $2,000, so it's not cheap. It's a real commitment. The other thing we would say is to make sure that you can block out time for each three month class, meaning you really are gonna commit an extra 15-ish hours a week to illustrate, to storyboard, to work on your scripts, to work on your art direction, because we are project-based and the only way to get better is to make lots of work, to be pushed, to, to force yourself to refine your work and your ideas and have to present those ideas to other people and get their feedback uh, and direction over time. So we just want to work with passionate students that are willing to have the deep conversations about their work and um, not people who are just interested in maybe just like learning the technical part of the software, because that is kind of a second tier thing for us. We go and find technical solutions as our subject matter demands it and as our Mm -hmm. art direction demands it. So that would be a quick way to be disappointed with us is if you really just want to know about keyframing or plugins or something that's uh that's kind of on the second tier for us yeah relating that to the last question you guys aren't just teaching them the basics so that they can make an explainer video you're like your primary is teaching them visual art concepts that are going to give them the skills on the path to being at the top tier like yeah. that's what your goal is i think it's an important distinction to make because that in my opinion, is what justifies the cost because you're not setting them up to be at the bottom. You're setting them up to shoot for the top tier. Yeah, I mean, when we first began and I would look at the curriculums and I would look at the accreditation board. So the National Association of Schools of Art and Design, NASAD, is the accrediting body for many of our art school institutions, our four-year schools. And they set out some pretty simple uh, guidelines for kind of what it means to shoot for that top. And that is what we took as gospel, was to say, this is about being visual artists, and this is about the history of visual art, and this is about ourselves as people and like deeper concepts. And I think it gets simplified into saying like creative directors and art directors, given enough time, I feel like is what the big art schools can really uniquely give. And so we wanted to just go right after that. and. That can be sometimes chaotic and open because we're having students present their ideas and their films and uh, they're each growing as directors at sort of different rates. And But we've really proven to ourselves now, I think, that the essence of how we really begin to think that way about our work is through the hours and hours and hours of making work and talking about it and having conversations and then centering it around a curriculum of really solid like technical theory, understanding design principles, understanding the basics of visual art. Awesome. All right, Michael, we'll go ahead and wrap this up for you. Um, One thing I like to let people do before we do that is just advertise where people could get in touch with you. Obviously, we'll link to MoGraph Mentor. People can check that out. But um, which social media would you uh, want people to find you on? 
Yeah, so I'd say check out MoGraphMentor.com. Me personally, I have, I feel I've 90% abandoned Twitter. But <laughs> Me too. I'm Michael Jones 7 on Twitter. I'll probably come back to it one day, but I'm having, I'm having a nice time of ignoring it right good. now. Good, yeah. very good. Um, <laughs> and then one thing I always ask our guests before we go is, what is something our listeners should do to improve this week? Hmm. Well, my father always said push-ups were the best exercise because it works the whole body. So do some push-ups. <laughs> that's a good one. All right. That's, uh, nobody's done that one yet. So that's really good. Um, well, Michael, thank you so much. That was a pleasure to talk with you and I appreciate you sharing your time with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you are considering film school or if you've been to film school, there's a chance you might be working on short films or videos of some sort. And if that's the case, I wanted to let you know that this show is sponsored by Plot, the fastest way to create and share storyboards. So why don't you head over to theplot.io and create your free account today. And while you're there, you can check out the show notes and all the related links of this episode if you go to theplot.io slash 009. Well, guys, it was a pleasure to have you here. I hope to see you again next time. Why don't you go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you again. Bye.